This time on TNT, we break down the U.S. election. We talk about Phil Collins. Plus, what the Halloween? That's all coming up right now on TNT. Hello. There he is. How's it going, bud? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. It's a little rainy here. A little chilly. Same here. The, the uh, trees are all golden and uh, uh, and perfect right now, as I can see on your uh, Instagram or on your Twitter page. You had some nice fall foliage. I love me some it's, fall. And it's burling. I've had the this ongoing sort of um, been tracking it. Like, is this peak fall? Is this the best it's going to be? Are there still a couple of days left in peak? I think we just peaked here. It's over um, here. It's over. It's gone. It's is now it? just like some half bald trees, but there's still some nice colors. The Torrance family uh, went on our annual apple picking uh, odyssey to the Annapolis Valley of Nova Scotia, which if you've never been, you have to go. Um, but if you have been, you know how outrageously pretty it is in the fall. I've concluded, though, that apple picking is um, its more about the idea of apple picking like it's not like finally we have those apples that we can live off like they're sitting in a display on the island and they're nice and fallish and colorful but it's not like we've been devouring them you know yeah well it has to do with the landscape like if you're up here you go to melancton or you know creamore my bud warren at um, morrison century farms they have apple picking that's fantastic you were you just look around and the sights and the the, the landscape is incredible so that alone is everything you have to kind of you can't be doing it off the a highway in the city well i said to you the know. people on the on the internet the other day show me your prettiest fall picture and where it is and there were like 500 people sent pictures from all over the place and really all over the world and yeah. like as far away as japan and uh as close as my backyard literally but man just some staggeringly beautiful images, and you have to get your kicks where you can these days. Um, but sure. I, I really enjoyed it. Found it really soothing and peaceful, and uh, people well, are digging fall. Going for a, a little rip in the car is a, is a good move, even as the family, just to, to go to somewhere 30 minutes away that's just worth the drive. Just to go rip around and show the landscape. It's good times, man. I know. It really is. I know. It's one of the things that I really miss living in California because obviously the <laughs> climate is great, but it doesn't have the changing colors of the leaves. Yeah, and I think, I'm just... sure the girls really endure it and they're good sports about it, but I'm sure part of them's like, yeah, that's, yeah, the leaves are orange. Uh huh. Like they. I don't know why. I don't know why this reminded me. But you know, like those Sundays when you're a kid and you're kind of sitting in the back seat going for a ride. And my, me and Jet and, and our friend Alex and his mom on a uh, Saturday in Alliston, like on like 1984 or something like that, 80, maybe 85, 86, but literally just she wanted to go look at houses and <laughs> we were sitting in the back <laughs> and, and Jet like had a stomachache because we just ate and he was like sitting and not feeling the ride. <laughs> And me and Alex were like feeling a little sick, and his mother was uh, South American and had a really thick accent. She's like, "Jet, son, you don't feel well," <laughs> which would not and, make you feel better. Yeah, and I'm like, "Oh, Jet," he's like, "Oh, are you sick?" Bonnie so Jet, son. Bonnie Jet, son. He's tummy hurt. And we're, and we're kind of like, he's like, guys, stop it. And we're like poking him and stuff. The worst. And then we get out at, at their house and he literally like opens the door and just pukes right away. Because he was just not feeling well at all. And then she was all oh, like when she saw him doing it. Jet saw the yak on the grass. Oh, and she picks him, lies him down, and she's like rubbing, to like whatever that Vicks paper rub on his jet, oh. like way, way overdoing it. Like he's like, I'm fine. She's like, No, lie down. 
I'll put you some Vicks under your nostrils. <laughs> Poor Jet, just lying there like I'm good. I don't know what accent I'm doing. A ball, a Jet. What is that? All of a sudden, an Italian guy. Oh no, Paul and Jet. I barfed in my classic. mom after. My dad passed away. My mom had a boyfriend named Maynard, and he was really nice and really super proud of this car, and I barfed in the back seat of it. And my mom saw it as a test. Like, how's Maynard going to react to this? Because it'll say a lot about him as a person. And, of course, he yeah. passed with flying colors and was super understanding about it. Um, as you know, we got a new vehicle in the last couple of weeks. When we were looking at the vehicle, the uh, young woman who sold it to us was super um, uh, committed and, and awesome and patient and all that stuff but yeah. the scenarios she gave for different functions of the car were really making me laugh because she was like let's say you're walking out of sobeys and your kids are scrapping and you've got one of them in each hand like settle down and you need to open yeah. the trunk well with the um foot sweep trunk opener no problem you can do that um let's hold. say your kids are scrapping in the back seat and you have to turn around like, if you guys don't stop, I'm gonna pull this car over. Don't worry, because yeah. the lane departure notification system will keep you alerted to whatever. The scenarios yeah. were so not representative of our family. It was just making me I laugh that's like- the no that's the norm. That reminds me of like the old days. Like my dad would have to like literally, he'd put his hand back in the middle between our legs and make a fist and then start swinging his arm oh, I know. around, p pounding the legs. <laughs> I know, there was something so old school about it. But the, yeah, the anecdotes were sure. so specific, like, let's say you got punched in the nose and it's a gusher while you're driving. Yeah. Don't worry. Let's Take your hands that. off the wheel. And it it like it has, like, uh, auto um, parallel park and stuff. Like, okay. using the most graphic explanations to explain the features of the car. What's with that? Um, it's like where where I guess did you that, grow up? Like using fear as the tactic to sell. Like yeah. Well, if you're in an accident and three cars are in front of you, you're good. Like let's say you shiv a wayward drifter and don't have a tarp. No problem. This will throw this will throw them right over the hood without getting them hit hurt too hard. Yeah. The catcher. The drifter catcher. Oh, man. Um, so, Taggart, I heard an exciting thing out loud yesterday in one of my corporate gigs that I was doing. The uh, guy who's CEO of this big American pharma company yeah. said um, it's hard to envision a path that doesn't end with Biden winning. And I think, I think we've been so scared to even think out loud that that is possible because everything's been so crazy that yeah. to hear someone say it out loud for the first time was like oh my gosh this circus might actually be over in two short weeks what yeah, are you hearing so well um yeah it seems so it seems that uh just the fact that you see people are coming to polls in record numbers is not good for the republican party because they kind of they they sit on the fact that a lot of the votes are people that have a piece of the pie in the community that are out there voting, as opposed to uh, people under 30 that could care less about that and think that they have no control. Those people are now actually getting up and using their voice. And I think that bodes well for the future of America because at this point it's so chaotic and there's just so many crazy things going on with the kids at the border and the the un the kids that are being missing kids now that are migrant that that have come into the country separated from their parents the oh, stuff with with heinous. this 5G deal that Trump had going in China and bank account in China that where he's actually paying taxes as opposed to the one in America where he's only paid $750 it's just there's too many red flags and that is like pun intended with russia included that it has to end it's just gotten out of control you can tell there's an infestation and uh, it has to be corrected man the the whole handling of him having covid was so 
Like they they continue to find new lows um, in shocking and uh, uh, compelling somehow ways. But he was a sore winner. I just don't know what's going to happen if he loses. Well, the worry is, yeah, that his base like are already okay with these little terrorist militias that are just you know getting together and deciding to take things into their own hands like that that's worrisome and the thought of a, an actual civil war because everybody's so passionate one side is passionate about a future and a fair america and you know the past the fact that it started as a country that accepted immigrants as a, a way for an, a positive future and now all of a sudden things have turned on that with his base so there's just so many things to fight for that people were, will passionately do whatever it takes but you have this still a a, a boatload of 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 uh um just ignorant people that that think they don't. They think things were a way that they don't even. They weren't even. That they weren't even. They didn't exist. What they think in their mind is a possibility. It's all BS, you know. The concept of of what these people think great America is. Yeah. It's it's inconceivable and and hard to imagine, like him packing a bag and leaving the White House quietly like what I know what becomes well, do the rest everything. of his life because this will well, this will become his legacy won't it yeah he'll disappear and you know if hopefully go to jail to be honest I mean there's there's so many things that are that he he's been involved in that have uh, taken advantage of America and had more to do with his own well-being and his own companies and businesses that that's not allowed to be done in, in public office period, let alone the highest one. So, I mean, I, I think all the stuff that, that you, you heard about will come come to, and he'll probably end up getting in handcuffs. Much has family. been written and discussed about his um, evil planning versus sort of off-the-cuff thing. I think he has uh, really dark, sick architects of some of this stuff. I don't think he's smart enough to to plan to this degree. I think even scarier is that he thinks he's kind of funny. Like I, I don't think he's yeah. a good person obviously. I do think he's all the things that people say he is, but but maybe um of equal offensiveness is that he thinks he's killing it out there like it's like a, a stand up doing crowd work for the first time that that hypothetical um, I don't know if you saw this a couple of days ago. Yeah, I pick up the phone. I call the president of Exxon and say, how are you guys doing? Oh, you need a couple of things pushed through? No problem. I can do that. You want to send me $25 million? They're like, sure they do. That You yeah. can't do that. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. When the Kremlin, the people that have backed him, the oligarchs, the banks, the, 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 the people that have given, funded him so much money, allegedly, you know, the, all his properties, the possible laundering that's been going on, uh, where he got money, when he's not doing them any more favors and there's they're not good any good to the, those people anymore, that's when it'll all turn. Because he's, Oligarchs. That, that's, that's the thing, right? Once they're no good to him anymore, when, when Trump's no good to those guys and he, he has to pay up. And well, that's I the think, thing. He he owes so much money, right? Yeah. To the and they're shaking people. him down. <laughs> it's scary. It was yeah. interesting to hear that Melania thinks her role is kind of BS. Yeah. Did you hear that tape where she's like, they want me to decorate for Christmas. Yeah, I know. It's, that's embarrassing. It's on way too many levels. There's just not... It's... It's just unbelievable, and let's hope it ends in a couple weeks. That's Your mouth to God's at. ear, Jeremy Taggart. Let's hope we're just enjoying some some smooth yacht rock in the back deck, making some fresh barbecue. Yes, I think uh, a relatively, by comparison, kind of boring, quiet uh, president will be a welcome change. Yeah. I remember telling you, I, I, I think I said Wanna at the time... Twana, Twana, 
Yeah. When we were in Croatia, I was in a coffee shop, and this guy was like, we love Trump. And I said, why? And he said, because we love theater. <coughs> it is. It's, it's good theater. That's the scary thing, yeah. People that just want to see explosions going off all the time instead of, like, some idiots. are like, well, there won't be any ratings with Biden and, and all. Like, ratings? What the hell are you talking about, ratings? Yeah. So now we're at, uh, by we're being uh, the 220th episode. We are going into the future with music, but we're currently Whoa. in 2020 jams. So when was this? I don't ever even know if I could again? name a 2020 jam. I, here's one. You know who's banging more than anybody? Who is the weekend? Okay, I have thoughts about this. Let's you tell. Like I know Drake is making everything, and he's kind of like the new. Bono, I guess, right? Like the new face of music. But The Weeknd's got those sneaky jams that just, he's got like 11 already and he's only been out for a little while. I gotta admit, he's got a lot of sneaky jams. Okay, but I think, is it called Blinding Lights? Yeah. I think that would be a throwaway B-side on a Spoons record. I know, but that's because... We're old and we're, we don't know we don't know what the hell people want anymore. If you think about it, it's like a, a classic pop song wrapped around in like an eight bit eighties costume. It's I know so, this is like I danced to this song so at Fairview hooky. Junior High. I know, but it's a whole new level of hook because it's like you and I growing up hooks kinda had to be original in a sense. Where these are just, this is, it's not about originality. I, the originality is in his vocal performance more than, than, than the, the arrangement of this. I don't but know what's like, so original about it. Well, I think he's a good singer for one thing, but it's, uh, it's hooky as hell. This song will stick in your head for four days. I, I don't know what that means. It's funny. It's like that, three there's notes, there's a huge right? there's a huge worth to that to to having a song stick like that, and this is one of his biggest songs ever. Ding but all these, I find I I, I I find the 2020 has had hit songs like no other year in terms of how catchy they are. To the point where, all right, like what else? I don't Are know, you into like, like Dua Lipa and I'm not, in, I'm not into it. I'm not, but they're, they're this Harry Styles sugar watermelon jam. What? It's everywhere. You, you hear it when you're not even outside. Like you just, it, you'll hear it in like the car garage at the gas station, and then it'll pop in your head when you're trying to go to sleep. That's three <laughs> notes too. Yeah. Yeah. But isn't that that's 70s, isn't it? Vibes? Yeah. Like what he's trying to capture? I think he's yeah. trying to go for more like 80s with the horns and stuff. Cuz it goes into the like the ending has that like its part. The the Bobby Brown part. I've never made it to the end. <laughs> there's a there's a Bobby Brown part. This part. Shake it. I just wanna shake it. Totally Bobby Brown line. <laughs> Remember that Bobby Brown it's jam? Funny to picture you driving by in the Prius. <laughs> no, pounding because watermelon sugar. I'm not pounding watermelon sugar. It's just on. I have music on all the times, and I try to listen to new music. But I'm saying these, this year has had a lot of those kind of songs. We're like, man, that song sticks in your head like crazy. Like this one is another one that that. But it came. It was originally a hip hop song that was remixed. That roses by Saint John Jam. This one. You haven't heard this one? 
isn't no. I, I maybe I'll know when I get to the chorus. This is pretty much it. <laughs> anyway, it's like when you first hear it, you think it's like some pop song from a, a girl almost. The way the voice is so affected, but it's like you then you listen to the lyrics and you're like, whoa, whoa. It's like hardcore lyrics. Okay, so that's the change. It you know. sounds like 80s, but it's actually talking about let's split a pill and whatever. Well, I don't know. It's just uh, this year has been uh, unbelievable for for the amount of songs that are big, in my opinion. Maybe it's because of the times and everybody's in the studio making more music. And if you are popular, then you've had a bunch of tr tracks out in the last 12 months. But it's it's kind of interesting. I, it's not you know it's not my bag. I like I, I like older music, but I like new music just uh, because it is you kind it is kind of uh, it's like a it's a really hardcore mentality to to be heard these days. So the production is always really out there. And so there's a lot of original creative stuff happening that definitely. Uh, I feel is worthy of checking out. Well, it's good know? to hear you say that because I know um, you have standards and expectations when it comes to music, and that's that's good that you're open to what the youngsters are doing. Yeah, well, I think it's just the bar of creativity period that always travels, and that's like you could say you hate a certain genre, but there's no way you could hate a, a whole decade of music just because... There's always those same creative forces going throughout all periods of history that are just as valid and important and don't deserve to be kind of categorized in that regard. So I think it's that more than anything, just uh, pop music. You have to be pretty creative to be there, especially if you're uh, lasting for two, three, four, five years with hits. Like, it's just... It's a tough, tough market, man, for branding yourself on so many different levels. And then when you're talking in interviews, I, I don't know. It's hard to rise above the din. Well, yeah. So the question and, is... And, and everybody's taking little things from the past. Like Travis Scott kind of is the only hip-hop artist, I think, that actually does like Pink Floyd jams. Like he'll rap for a while and then all of a sudden it'll sound like Welcome to the Machine by Pink Floyd. And it makes sense that he has this huge following in arenas because he turns that, he goes to that part of his show and all of a sudden you're in 1976 and everyone's freaking out to the, to the lights and the whatever else that you can add when you're taking that element of like, that's the best part of being at a Pink Floyd concert was when they would just go off in a vibe and the lights would go and everybody was just like tripping out on David Gilmore's guitar playing or whatever. It's the same thing. If you have a section like that in your hip hop track that's like goes there, it gives you all those amazing performance elements. So it makes sense that Travis Scott is like one of the few guys playing arenas every single night and could play probably as big a place as he wanted to. Because it's literally like the best of both worlds. One of the things that I uh, have to do sometimes in these corporate gigs is re-lyric popular songs to suit the uh, disease state of whatever company I'm working with. Mm -hmm. So I just did my fourth meeting for... Um, a flu drug it's a one dose medication so the first year i did i want a flu drug oh my by flu God. lewis oh one that man. won't make me sick so this year i want a flu drug um so this year was uh uh flu's yourself by flem and m oh man you gotta lose yourself. Is it? What you was gotta lose yourself in the mucus. Oh, the man. moment you own it, you better never let it go. But it's. I got really fired up, and um, I've never recorded like an Eminem kind of sound before. Oh my um, god! He is someone who uses uh, orchestra. 
Like he he creates bits of theater, doesn't he? Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So, Taggart, can we assume if we're in '80s land now, are um, is there going to be like a resurgence of grunge? Is that what's next? No, I don't. I don't. I'm not saying it's '80s. I'm just thinking because uh, I am. Everybody. I think that's pretty obvious. I know, but everybody dips takes from the two the decade before the past, and it was no different than what the '60s were to '80s bands and what. Uh, when in the '90s it was '70s bands that were kind of propelling a lot of grunge music. The Black Sabbath. I know. So the won't. Zeppelins, doesn't know. it stand to reason that the next thing will probably be kind of grungy? Like won't no. won't doesn't rock follow techno? Yeah, but I, I think not in that regard. It's kind of the same thing because it was. That would have to be the same thing happening twice. I would see those elements. Well, you're seeing now 2000s influence in, in hip-hop, like uh, Pop Smoke and those even the guy, that Lil Peep, that died. Those were kind of like emo, uh, Blink-182-inspired melodies. With the, hi-yo, how you are, yo, how you doing on a Friday? Like, you know, those like... Pop right. to, to, I was going down the circus and my mom was fighting with my dad. <laughs> like that's a style of hip hop now that is cutting edge, where it's kind of taken from that uh, pump pop punk shit from the two thousands and nineties. Pop obviously. punk, yeah. You're from from Blink to Jimmy World to you know there was all those. I'm sorry, bands. <laughs> sorry, did Dad. You guys, did you guys ever try to morph into a different sound to keep up with the times, the way Gordon Lightfoot did with Daylight Katie, or um, I think in my life, in my times, yeah. and in so that '80s thing David Foster produced for Gordon. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I think that happens to singers more than anybody, but I'm sure Rain has tried to sing different ways, but. Um, I don't know if it's too. Uh, it, sometimes it's to try and inspire something different. I don't know. Like I said, uh, it depends how you make your soup, right? If you make your soup from your gut every time and just have an idea and follow it through, or do you make your soup based on what someone else made and and you're trying to make a soup similar, which are two uh, viable ways. But, you know, I'm more of the going with the gut as opposed to taking the idea of another thing and kind of changing it a bit to make it mine. I find it's easier to do the gut instinct thing where you don't have to kind of, you don't have to analyze stuff as much when you're just doing it from the heart and it's just inside as opposed to... uh, reacting and acting on everything and then listening to it to whatever or looking at whatever you're trying to do again from that perspective and going back to your own it's just too much work in my mind like are you gonna create the boom or chase the echo you know what i mean yeah exactly and uh i think everybody starts out with the boom at some level because they don't know what it is that they're trying to do and then it hits so they've created something that's fresh and different, but if the it, you know it's hard to kind of go along that same mindset when you've you become something, because then there's a lot of other factors that play into it, where it's business and it's big companies and it's big media, and it kind of changes the uh, why you're doing it because. You wanted to do it to get out of a place, and now you're out of that place, and maybe the place that you're at isn't exactly as cool as you thought it would be. So it's hard to kind of recreate that uh, same, not necessarily desperation, but feeling of trying to get something accomplished in a way. Um, unrelated, but sort of related. How weird is the story about Phil Collins' ex-wife? Yeah, what the hell is he sent that to me in text? I'm like, here's, yeah, give us okay. a breakdown. This is nuts. Okay. And I'm gonna, find, I'm gonna hold on. I'm gonna find some Phil Collins music to 
to go along with the Pratum, story. Katum, patum, patum, daka, daka. Oh, I did a meeting for a rare disease, and I did in the rare tonight. You did? How was that? Yeah. Did you have the drum and, uh, kit with the And there bass? was, uh, yeah, there and? was, uh, for a corporate gig, there was uh, um, uh, 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 Ignite. That was a theme for a meeting. So I did fight and ignite for patience instead of fight for your right to party. Oh, uh. Okay, it's I'm go- fun. I'm going with against all odds for this story. Okay. Okay, go ahead. And I'll read the story as though I'm on an entertainment show. Yeah. So you throw to me. Okay. Oh, like break, break, ho- breaking st- throw to me. <laughs> breaking story on Phil Collins. You want to take this, Bob? I sure do. Former Genesis frontman Phil Collins, it seems, met his ex-wife, Orianne Seavey, in 1994 when he was on tour in Switzerland. She was 21, he was 44. They got engaged in 1997, married in 99, had two kids, and split up in 06 when she received a record-setting $46.7 million settlement. Ten years later, the couple announced they were back together, living with the kids, and all it seemed was well. But then in August, Suvi broke up with Collins again, this time via text massage, informing him that she had apparently gone to Las Vegas and married a businessman 15 years her junior. (laughs) Now, according to a lawsuit filed by Collins, Suvi and her new husband, Tom Bates, are allegedly living in his $33 million Miami beachfront mansion, and they've hired four armed guards to protect them. According to the Miami Herald, the new couple are threatening implicitly and explicitly to prolong their unlawful occupation of the property through force. An injunction is urgently needed to end the armed occupation and take over of Phil Collins' home by his ex-girlfriend and her new husband, the defendants in the action. Bob, I have to say, poor Phil Collins! Well, in the complaint, Collins is uh, concerned about his memorabilia, including multiple awards and instruments. He believes there is a substantial risk that Mrs. Bates or Master Bates or their agents in <laughs> conceal or destroy valuable and irreplaceable personal property. Collins, of course, has no relationship with Master Bates. Mrs. Bates, on the other hand, he knows to be crazy. Are strange times indeed, and it would certainly appear as though something is coming in the air tonight. Raven? Thank you, Bob. Honestly, this could bring it on again. This could uh, bring a whole other in the air tonight. Right? What do you mean? Like a whole... Like another song? That whole album, the solo album that he did after, like, you know, with Genesis was because of of his uh, wife. When he broke up with her and moved to Vancouver, and that was that whole record came about from kind of his depression of no jacket required of her leaving him. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So I wonder if he's uh, gonna. This is gonna put him in a spiral of creativity to maybe <laughs> bring him right back into the mix. Stadium jams. Collins is allegedly holed up at a hotel with a tear-stained notepad. Right? He's just going right back to work, writing jams. He's just crushing it. All the songs are flowing into his head, like just this brilliance. He's like People are so lazy when it comes to like I was talking about that the other day too. My friend Brian Adams, who's a good dude and lives in the States, and every day of his life people are like, Oh, summer sixty nine, eh, bud? Oh and man, that's awful. Like awful. <clears throat> Well, it's because not even trying. So it's because Brian Adams on this Phil Collins thing (laughs) are saying like something is in the air tonight. That's don't even do that. That's so lazy. I think it's because Brian Adams is kind of cheeseball. You know what I mean? If if like his name was like Paul Newman, I don't think people would have a problem with it. Right. (laughs) So it's the. Okay, so it's because my friend Your is, name is named like, after someone who's cheesy. It's like, hey, how you doing, Steve McQueen? You're not going to be like, ha, 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 Steve McQueen, right? Or like, Interesting. <laughs> it's like being called Buzz Lightyear or something. It's like I know, but other people are like, oh, people are like, trust me, my name's Luke, and everyone asks if I am their father. Like, no, I know. See, but it's Luke, how? though. One, one hit wonder, and they won't be like, hey, I'm Robert Redford, how are you? 
You're like, wow, cool name, man. Right? I, I guess a river runs through it, does it? <laughs> right? You're not going to make fun of someone named Heath Ledger. Right? Be like, hey, solid handle, man. Good for you. You're not right? going to throw a movie title at him? Maybe, but it's pro- it's not going to be like making fun of the person the same way you would like his name is, uh, what's what's the kid from uh, the, the uh, high school show? The one who made the porno? Dustin Diamond. If your name's Dustin Diamond, oh, right. you're going to get hammered if that's your name. Interesting. Or, or Cha- that has never occurred to me. Scott Bale? Come on. Your name's Scott Bale? I'm sorry, you're Chachi. So if your name is George Clooney, people will be like, yeah, all right. Solid handle, you jerk. You got a good name and everything. You don't <laughs> think they'll say, like, what's up, ER? Yeah, he's like, yeah, ER. As opposed to, like, hey, what's the dusting diamond guy's name in the show? Or Gilligan or uh, something. Screech? Yeah, Screech. Like, oh, like you want to fight somebody who calls you that. Whereas you're like, who oh, is? George Clooney. Oh, sorry. That hurts so much. Brad Pitt. Who would be the worst celebrity <laughs> to share a name with? I mean, Dustin Diamond's got to be up there. It's not great. Right? I mean, because it is, Ron, aside from him. Ron Jeremy. <laughs> Dustin Diamond, like, forget the guy, forget the character that he played, all that stuff. It's already not a great handle, so you're starting from a deficit. You know what I'd be like to be? Bill Murray would be a great name to have. That'd be a good name, right? yeah. Solid. <laughs> Imagine there was, a like, name. a real Elton John. <laughs> there must be. <laughs> There's got to be somewhere. I um I uh, got a haircut this morning um, by a woman named Meg Ryan. No way. That's a good handle, yeah. How short hair did you go? Not super short. Just Not straight like up. Tennis ball, uh, '90s guy. But short. Well, what your hair, hair was, was it was pretty long. Yeah, it's long. So what is it? Less than that? It's not long anymore. Yeah, it's like. No, it's not, it's still uh, down to my collar. It's halfway. When was the last time you got a haircut, you hippie? Well, like in a in in an actual barber. Yeah. In the nineties, nineteen ninety eight probably. Yeah. No way. Yeah, twenty one years ago. So who cuts it, Lisa? Yeah, like a couple inches here and there. Like you get split ends, right? Yeah. Every like three months, I could fire some off. So what does she do with the kitchen scissors? No, yeah, I've got some good scissors. Just make sure it's just uh, give it some wet action. It's good to go. Like hair cutting like if, scissors. If I was ever to scissors? like, if I had to like do TV or something, I just cut a couple inches off. I'm good to go. I don't have to worry about anything. Take a shower, cut a couple inches off. <laughs> Think how much money you've saved over the years. I know. No haircut since 1998. I was with Alex in this place in Kensington Market. He's like, you got to come with me to this place. Back in 98, I had short hair. He's like, you got to come. Alex is like, let's check this guy out. It's five bucks. And it was this cool Vietnamese dude. He was like in his 80s. And both of us, five bucks. Five bucks. What do you mean? Five buck haircut. Like 250 each or five bucks each? Five dollars for a great haircut and we gave five dollar tips so five bucks five bucks he was amazing i don't even know if he took tips i think he was like no five bucks but yeah that was a lot opposed to tips. that was a lot my dad uh the last time uh when he was alive last time he was in a, a barber chair was when kennedy died in 63 how about that who cut his hair my mom or himself one time he was mad and cut his hair with a knife like oh my god like cuz fuck that cuz fuck this <laughs> what was he mad at hair just whatever like really dad just i guess he was pissed off maybe it was in the 70s and he like uh needed it for a job interview or something and like could, butter knife or paring knife? Like a, not a great knife. 
I was too young to really remember, but yeah, cut it in like just anger, a rage cut with a knife. <laughs> it cuts like a knife, eh, bud? Hey, you know what? I heard a story that someone <clears throat> tweeted at me. A bod tweeted that uh, was reading Eddie Van Halen's book. And there's a part in there where he, uh, Eddie hears his dad destroying all his gear, quitting music. Just like, no way. like my dad did. Yeah. So that's crazy. <clears throat> and he played jazz too. Yeah. Just interesting that uh, I wish I had shared that moment with them. They probably would have thought that was like a classic. You're like, yeah, man. <laughs> I know that sound. <laughs> Yeah. Is their dad still with us, I wonder? I don't know. I doubt it, man. I highly doubt it. I have to assume that's it for Van Halen, right? Yeah. Well, I think that the sad thing is I don't think, like, you know, that's probably it for Alex playing. Right. Because he never played with anybody else, and for that reason. They just didn't, felt that that was part of him so yeah I mean I you don't hear I haven't heard anything about him I just I'm sure he's in a really uh, uh, you know sad spot and hopefully he can get out of it but uh, that's got to be a huge loss to him and obviously Valerie Bertinelli and Wolfgang obviously that you know to lose your dad it's a, an awful thing so, Did you um, meet Wolfgang? I hadn't. He was he was really young at the time, ninety five. So yeah, I don't know if he probably Just probably came out as a young kid, baby, even at the time. Uh, when was when was he born? To be honest, <laughs> I don't know. Like it's uh, it's uh, he's not that old. He's just a kid, right? <clears throat> I don't know. You know. I just remember it was impressive think... that he was actually playing bass with them on tour as a young kid, but time flies. Do you think Rush will ever get back together in any iteration? I would say only in maybe a tributary purpose and uh, or a charity thing. I, I don't know. I, I just don't see them... If you think of all the other great bands that they're like when Bonham died, Page and Plant would do things, but it was never Zeppelin again. Same for right. Uh, same goes for the Who. Even though they were kind of, I would have other guys, and I'd say Zach Starkey, who's playing with them now, who's Ringo's kid, was the probably closest thing to to Keith. But they were never really never the same even though they kept going. So it depends. Would you get the call for the Rush tribute? I'd do it if I got the call, for sure. Sure you yeah, would. Yeah, definitely. I'd probably do it, too. <laughs> you would, right? <clears throat> yeah. Well, I had a great time on Getty's solo record doing a song on it, and it was a great uh, hang. He's a cool dude, as is Alex. We haven't really talked much about that. How did it come to be? Well, um, I think it was, I think it was Matt Cameron was playing on the, the record. <clears throat> Matt Cameron from Pearl Jam was playing on Getty's album. And Greg Keplinger, my dear friend and drum maker, was teching on that album. And I think it just kind of came up in conversation from Greg and Greg being such a a sweet guy. Greg was probably like, you got to get Taggart on your record <laughs> to Getty. And uh, that, I think that's what started the conversation. And Getty contacted me and uh, I got to hang out with him. And I, we, we had a common bond in baseball. He's a huge baseball fan. Oh, of course. So we kind of talked about that a lot and found definitely kept in touch on that basis. But... Uh, and Alex was, I golfed with Alex um, and just kind of saw him around at events and hung out with him a, f a, a few times. And he's he's a great dude. But Getty... He's super playing with approachable. Getty was yeah, getting to play in the studio and live off the floor with him was great on his uh, My Favorite Headache solo record. 
So how does that work? Does the phone ring and um, it, it says like G Lee and you answer it or was it through management or did he send you an email? Like how did that go? I think it was through management, got a hold of me and then an email and then I finally spoke to him to kind of, uh, he sent me a demo email of the song and then we spoke on the phone and then I just came to his house, I think, to say hey. And uh, yeah. Went to the studio and tried. Were you it. nervous? Not really, because the song was kind of cool and, and had a good vibe, and I felt that I could play it well. So I was psyched. It was a, I was just excited to play with him. It was fun. Did he say, like, hey, that's great, thank you? Absolutely, yeah. He was super amazing and gracious and complimentary, and uh, yeah, like he, you know, he said, uh, one of the reasons that he brought me in was the fills, my drum fills. He liked my drum fills, so he wanted me to add some crazy drum fills. So, yeah, good times. How does it come to be that um, Getty does a solo record? Because the Fun. other guys want too much time between records just or for, just to for, change it just up? Just for or? kicks, yeah, just for fun. I think uh, um, that's it. Just for fun, like he probably felt he had too much time on his hands between tours and just wanted to do something with friends. Because I know he did it with uh, Ben, his friend, producer, um, and Ben Mink, and he his uh, kind of his little circle of buds. So he did it with uh, with friends, a small group of people. Uh, so I think he just did it for kicks. Did you get paid? Yeah, for sure. He paid me paid me well. It was great. How does that part work? Well, it's it, like standard. Like, are you offered scale? Yeah. Do you negotiate? Or you're, you're obviously going to do it. No, it's like standard uh, studio rates, which would be like triple scale, I guess, for that type of a session. So, yeah. That's pretty great. Cool. How many takes do you get? And do you get nervous? I didn't get nervous at all. I was more, again, excited and, and enjoyed it. But we did, like, probably... I played along to a version a couple times, and then he came out and played bass on, like, two or three times, and that was it. We used one of those. So, yeah, probably five times. <laughs> Who is... This is a loaded question, and you might dodge it. Who is, in your experience that you have seen firsthand, the person who made it the furthest with the least natural talent? Uh, well, that's not very nice, though, because like I'm not gonna. You say something about that, and that's like, that's harsh. <laughs> like the. So yeah, I know, but it might guy. be like a one-hit wonder know, or someone I, who was a jerk. I know, but it's like, hey, you know, Jeremy, he thinks the worst person in history of anybody, if there was everyone alive. Well, buds aren't going to tell anyone. No, but it's how those those kind of things come around. <laughs> we, Suddenly, the Backstreet Boys are calling you at home, yeah. like, "Come on, man, we did our thing." It's, well, I mean, it depends, because like. Sometimes a person that can have no talent, really, and they just work so hard of be, of bugging people to try and be heard, they actually do get heard. You know, right? That's what I'm saying. So there. I, so who I, would you put in that category? I don't really. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I would say like for me, like that. If I don't like a type of music, music, it's easier for me to to throw it down the hole, like. Sean Desmond or something like that, right? Ah, I wonder if he knows that you're the guy. He's the guy that. Well, you see, hate look at see right away. Goodness. You jumped to it. See, you're like, see. I wonder what he's gonna think when he's in here. Oh man, Desmond, really? Listen, I listen, and this is why I'm gonna say it because I'm thinking back. He's the only guy I remember like at a Juno week, burling around in a big yellow Hummer playing his own music like so exactly. loud and like guys screaming like come on man look where you are here <laughs> nobody cares huh. wasn't it 
It wasn't was like it, it was like a fan. Wasaga Beach? I don't know. He was probably doing it everywhere that he was, but he was at this No, but Wasaga Beach booked Sean Desmond. <laughs> And the town councilors thought it was Sean Mendez. No way. Couldn't believe they got him for oh whatever it was, 3500 bucks. Get out of here. Really? It's true. The star.com, here's the article. Sean Desmer, Desmond concert in Wasaga Beach, now free after disappointing ticket sales. Now free. Oh, man. The town issued a news release Monday morning ahead of the meeting announcing the change. The motion to be considered also includes a request to approve a $53,000 budget adjustment for the Beachfront Management Committee to cover the shortfall for the entire Canada Day weekend. At the June 14th committee meeting, counselors were told <laughs> 17 tickets. Oh, man. <laughs> 17 uh, And probably 15 of those thought it was Sean Mendez. Here's the best part. Those who purchase tickets will be reimbursed, yeah. and people who won tickets to radio promotions will be invited to a meet and greet with Desmond. Yeah. The cost specific to Desmond's appearance was sixty nine grand oh, to his okay. management company, plus really... forty five hundred for security. Because he legit thought that this was Sean Mendez. So he was like, hey, I think Deputy he's probably Mayor. like, hey, they think this is Sean Mendez on his end as well. Look at what they're offering me. Let's go with this. Yeah. Let's try and fatten this deal. <laughs> Sean Mendez, like, wouldn't oh, he have man. done it for 690 Well, his agent. Deputy I Mayor Nina Bifolke this... said the decision to hire Desmond was hasty. Listen. And the board failed to, quote, educate themselves on what entertainment our residents and visitors are interested in. There's an agent somewhere who knew this and was on the call and said this is great, perfect. And that eight okay, there's no way that that agent didn't know that he was talking about <laughs> Sean Mendez. There's no way. He would have saw how eager he the was. The quotes in this article are killing me. Listen to this quote. The town hires staff to be in the loop of what people want, she said. It makes staff's job very difficult when a board dictates who they are to engage as entertainment and then gives staff a less than adequate budget to market them. Oh, man. She's furious. Then Mayor Brian Smith said while he expects the Beachfront Management Board to, quote, take it on the chin, the organization of the concert will be a learning experience for the board and municipal staff. Quote, I think all in all, it will be a great event and bring people to Wasaga Beach. I think the economic impact will be there. It's unfortunate the tickets didn't sell. It's always easy to point fingers after the fact. I'm not happy about it, but we'll move forward and won't make the same mistake again. Wow. Imagine like reading that article in the stretch Hummer on the drive to Wasaga Beach, knowing the people who booked you are calling it a mistake publicly. Oh, no, man. But, hey, it's interesting that I mention him and that there's all this follow-up information that's like, yeah, not a lot of backup talent there when it came was supposed to come into play. Right? Yeah, and probably burnt a lot of bridges with that driving around the Hummer styles. See? So you, you, you probably was like, treating all people that were supposed to be, like, you, you, you know, that's the people working... Your record, he's probably treating them all like nothing. <laughs> but I'm gonna tell I don't know. you something. I'm just Generally speaking, it's this. It's the same in like the Canadian Screen Awards. Whichever cast of some global legal procedural that is gonna last for one season, those are the people strutting around in rented tuxes yeah. like they own the oh, place. No. Yeah, right? For sure. Nicholas Campbell is sitting quietly in the corner. Gordon Pinsent is going around saying hi to people whose names he remembers. Yeah. It's the zero to 60 years you have to That's watch out for. That's what I'm saying. They, they could care less about service and the, the gatekeepers to all of those things. And that's the downfall. Yes. It's the people that understand how important all of those people are generally stick around longer. Especially if you don't have, like if you're in pop music, where it's like every five minutes there's someone else coming. Yes, it's best new artist syndrome. Yeah. 
Hey, so uh, here's a question for you. Obviously, we're now TNT is in two different places. I'm now in lockdown uh, two right now, gone back to number two here in New York region. You're obviously clear for straight up Halloween. But I, uh, I yes. for the first time, we won't be going out for Halloween this year. Just going to have a party in the house. So, wow, uh, it'll be... Uh, Again, we have two different perspectives, but yeah, the country's, I think it's smarter to kind of keep an eye on spots that are higher and, and, and just be safer in those areas as opposed to just locking down the country, you know? It is, it is a very divisive issue. People seem to be passionate about both ends of this Halloween spectrum. On one end of the spectrum, people are saying like, um... You know, a adults have gotten back all the things they want. This is the only thing kids really want, and they've had a terrible year, and just let them do it. Yeah, that's the that's and that's the other end of the spectrum is why would you risk that's that? That's the problem. Is it's the people that are actually of you know not wanting to do it. Are a lot of them are the kids because the kids are in school now, and the way that they're in school with masks on all day and being kind of segregated in different areas in 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 their groups that their cohorts uh and limited to 20 people they don't they don't want to go out to trick-or-treat they're like forget it all my kids are like no way yeah are they just they so even anna who's the youngest she's like not no feeling it? they're like why would i do that when we're trying to be so careful and safe at school and uh people are out in this you know hand and bags of candy around that like if somebody has something and are coughing into their whatever and handing it out i don't care if it's on a hockey stick or whatever else or if it's pre-packaged if it's in the air in your house it's just not a it's just another way to to keep things rolling when we're trying to slow things down here i've never been a big halloween fan anyway i think mostly because i kind of dress up for a living and the idea of putting on a wig and stuff doesn't yeah. really appeal to me unless I'm getting paid for it. Um, we have traditionally, because of where we live, there's, the girls aren't going door to door here. So we've always just kind of gotten in the car and driven around to different people in our family bubble anyway, which I suspect is what we'll do this year. Um, you know what I thought you were going to say is TNT's in two places at, at once. Um, the Juno's submissions just closed. Yeah. And we're crossing our fingers that we might, God Hopefully willing, get a nomination. Get nominated in the comedy that category. That would be beautiful. Yes, that would be very. Would exciting. be so yeah. wicked. But uh, well, it's, it's again to Halloween. It's Jack's birthday, so um, all the more reason to just kind of have a indoor party here with the family and just keep it fun. And actually, Wendy, our neighbor, yeah. is going to set up a little backyard deal. Like fun thing for Anna to kind of, I guess she would enjoy it the most. But John and Jack would probably dig it a little bit. And like a little, uh, I, a private kind of Halloween yard. Shaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be great with DJ. Tags. You know what? Yeah, if, if the kids are missing out, then go that extra mile for them and make it special for them. You know, that's what you got to do. Here's what I'm imagining: blinding lights by the weekend, blasting with a light oh, show. Oh man. And the camera pans the crowd to land on you going, this is a bop. Oh, yeah, exactly, right? I'm like the new Dick Clark. <laughs> the Hot 100 with Jer. <laughs> Please welcome a fine young man, The Weeknd. I saw Dick Clark. Good job, I saw Mike. Dick Clark, that math, on a, on a uh, escalator at Salt Lake City Olympics. No yeah. way. And you know... I saw Dick Clark in a meeting in his office, and you know what he told <laughs> what? me? What? He said, I watched your reel. You remind me a lot of myself. Nice. How about that? Pretty, pretty like Dear Diary. You'll never guess what happened today moment for a youngish TV See, host. And he was kind and uh, generous with his time and exactly who you would hope Dick Clark would that's be. That's pretty good. See, you got, that's where, uh, that's like one of those moments. All I got is him going by on an escalator and going, man, I didn't know he had a little barrel like that. Hiding the barrel. Oh yeah, tiny little, little barrel. barrel under his blazer. But then you have this. DC you have man. the full boat meeting. 
Love yeah. it. Yeah. Trying to find a way to work together. How every meeting in LA begins and ends. Yeah, we should really try to find a way to work. Yeah, we should. You know what? We should. Yeah, we should. Good chatting, bud. Good chatting, bud. Glad we found a way to work together. Yeah. Bye. Bye.